Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for all the beautiful things in this world. Thank you for the birds chirping and the nice weather. Lord, thank you that we can be here safe and sound. And thank you that we can rely on um, travel to up to Mount Morgan and back and, and longer distances. And thank you for all of these things in the world that run very smoothly without much thought from us. And thank you for your goodness and all that we do. Lord, I ask that you would bless this sermon that I speak, that you would put your words in my mouth, that you would guide me, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would be the, the spirit of understanding in everyone's ears um, today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I decided to talk about stories and the power of stories, and then we just so happened to have a wonderful story coming up today in... Uh, just exiting Rockhampton and the, we're halfway up the side of a truck in the other lane and then it just, I think without indicating, just starts veering into the lane and Jess was driving and luckily she kept a cool head and she just calmly just drove up <laughs> onto the flowers in the middle of the road <laughs> and we just, stopped, we just stopped there in the flowers and, and then after we stopped I was like, you could have beeped. <laughs> <laughs> And then like, oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, then we, yeah, we drove back down, the truck had stopped and he was very apologetic, he was very nice and he, he um, I think there's like some plastic under the car that had dropped down and was dragging on the road. He zippy tied up, up for us and he was really nice. Um, we were late today because we had to stop later on, it was dragging again and try and fix it up some more. But yeah, a story, good stories, stories are always interesting. And the interesting thing about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell you statements. It doesn't just tell you facts. It doesn't just tell you what you should do. It, a lot of those things it tells you in stories. Uh, for example, one time King David in the Bible did something not good. In fact, it was bad. <laughs> he, David um, abused his power as the king to have... Uh, relations with Bathsheba who was married to another man and when he discovered she became pregnant then first of all he, did, he tried to get Uriah to come home and like oh you get to have a, a break a holiday from the army to come home be with your family and um, that, that was to try and cover up the fact that um, that it was David was the father and then when Uriah was had strong integrity and he's like no I can't I can't leave all my mates here on the battlefield working hard and in a bad condition and then for me to go home and have a holiday and then um, so that shows the ca uh, character of Uriah but then um, David then made an order for Uriah to uh, go to the front line of the battle and then he was killed and then in this situation us as readers it's very obvious uh, who's done the wrong thing and what the sin is but it doesn't seem as obvious to David and sometimes that's the same with us where we there's something wrong in our lives there's some sin and it's but it's not super obvious to us what it is even if it is obvious and very clear to other people uh, but Nathan the prophet came to David and he said this story and I'll just I'll just say it word for word Nathan said there were two men in a certain town one rich and one poor the rich man had great flocks and herds 
The poor man had nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with him and his children. It ate from the man's meagre fare and drank from his cup and slept in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a traveller arrived at the home of the rich man, but he was unwilling to take an animal from his own flock or herd to prepare for the traveller. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David heard this story and he was very angry at the man, at the rich man for doing this. And through the power of a story, Nathan made very clear to David what, that what David did was wrong. Because David said, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. And then Nathan said, you are that man. That's you. David's the rich man, Uriah's the poor man. David had been given much and yet had taken from the man who had little. David had been blessed by God, but he responded by breaking God's law. And so it's like, yeah, before Nathan told the story, did David knew that he'd done the wrong thing? And I think the chances are he, he would have known deep down, but he would have been trying to, uh, uh, what's the word? Justify, trying to justify it, try and make excuses for it. Um, but after that, then he had, after hearing the story where Nathan just basically made, the, made it a simpler story and put David in a different perspective, it, then it was very clear what the truth was to David. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Um, this repentant attitude was good, and that's, I guess, why David is still seen as one of the greatest men uh, from the Bible. And that, that repentance spared his life, but the whole action, the sin, still had consequences in the, their child died, and um, he had, I think, four children. I think it, um, the death repeated fourfold among his children. Um, even though, yeah, David didn't die. So yeah, human beings are story-shaped creatures. We're born into stories, we're raised by stories, and we live and die in stories. It makes sense that stories interest us. Another example of the Bible, one example of the Bible, it gives us like a platitude, or I don't know if that's the right word, but like a, a statement of truth, something telling us something to do, Love your neighbor. That's one of the two greatest commandments. One is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. The second one, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus doesn't just say love your neighbor. Jesus tells a story to us and then that helps us realize what he means by that and how we're supposed to do it. And that story, or one example of the story, is the Good Samaritan. So the, the, the man gets jumped by robbers and he's there laying in the, on the floor, almost dead. And a, a two or three, a Jewish and a Levite, and maybe someone else, <laughs> uh, walk by and, and just leave him for dead. But the Samaritan sees him, picks him up, tends to his wounds, carries him to a hotel, pays for his fare, pays for him to get better. And so this story, it's not just, seeing, it's not just Jesus saying, love your neighbor, and then we can kind of like, just have that as an idea in our head. Yeah, you should love your neighbor. It's kind of, Jesus is saying, no, this is who your neighbor is. It's anyone. Samaritans and Jews did not like each other. Your neighbor is everyone. And he said, this is what loving means, looking after someone like this. 
And so that's, that's how powerful stories are. That's what stories are for. I think it's also interesting that the neighbor in the story, he tells the story of the good Samaritan. It's like, like I feel like if I was trying to come up with a story to, to demonstrate love your neighbor, I would have a Samaritan walking along the road and a Samaritan dying and then me trying to tell a Jewish crowd, you as Jews, even though he's a Samaritan, you should try and help him out and all that stuff. So I was thinking, why is it that the story he tells to the Jews, the good person is not them. He's not trying to convince them what they should do. And I think it's kind of, um, I think it links back to, well, it links back, first of all, to, it helps more the idea of who your neighbor is. Um, but I think it also, it, it links back to the whole idea that Jesus says in Matthew seven twelve, in everything you do to other, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. And so instead he puts the crowd in the perspective of the victim and he says, what, what do you want them, someone to do for you? And that, it's much easier for them as a victim to think, oh, this is what I would like someone to do for me. Whereas sometimes if you come across someone in a, in a struggle, it's hard, to, it's hard to think, oh, what would be best for me to do for them? I think it's a lot easier to figure out, I know what would be best for someone else to do for me. So... Um, maybe, if it, maybe if you come across a situation to love someone, try and put yourself in their shoes and then think, yeah, if I was in that position, what would I want someone else to do for me? I think that's the reason why Jesus told the parable as the Good Samaritan. Uh, the, other, the other thing that the Bible does is it, not, it doesn't just tell stories as parables or as examples like Nathan did or as Jesus did, but the Bible stories themselves, like the true ones, they also teach us things. And that's why it's, it's important to read all the stories and not just, not just read Paul's writings and not just read Psalms, but read the stories as well. For example, when Jesus came across the lady who was an adulterer, when he, the adulterer was brought before him, that the, how he reacted, that teaches us how we should respond to people who have sinned. And Jesus kind of rejects the legalist when he says, neither do I condemn you. But he also rejects the relativist when he says, go and sin no more. And I also think that's kind of a mirror of the David story, the adulterer story. Because in both situations, they'd done the wrong thing. And then, in the first, and, then both, and then God and then Jesus had the same attitude where it's like, um, because of your repentant heart, I will not punish you. However, go and sin no more. It's not, he's, God's not saying, that's, oh, that's no worries. That's, you're right. It's still sin and it still will have consequences. But God also is willing to forgive. And he's, uh, so I guess, I guess what, what the point there is, is that a lot of times a, a statement of, of truth, people can take it and they can kind of have like a, just a vague idea about what it means or a shallow idea of what it means or they can hold it legalistically 
or they can kind of just like, oh yeah, or they could like not really apply it at all to their life. And the story kind of helps you see um, not only is this statement true, but this is how you should apply it. You should not be condemning of people, but you should be trying to help them sin no more. So then, and throughout the Bible, the, the Bible is also the, basically the beginning of the story of the world. Very first sentence, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then as it goes through, there's, all, there's just story and stories about the world. There was once a man who, in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and keep moving. And now in those days, there was a decree went out from Caesar Augusta, and keep going. There a man, care came a man sent from God, whose name was John. Um, and so the Bible as itself is also a story of the world. And what story is it telling? The Daniel had a prophecy uh, given to him in a dream. It was a dream, but it was, it was a prophecy. Wait, no, the king had a dream and it was a prophecy. And Daniel, um, uh, what's it called? Interpreted it. Interpreted the dream. In the dream, the king saw a gigantic statue made of four metals from its head of gold to feet of mingled iron and clay. And then as he watched, a stone not cut by human hands destroyed the statue and became a mountain filling the whole world. So the stone struck the statue, destroyed it into, into smithereens, and then the stone grew and grew and grew until it filled up the whole world. In this uh, prophecy, the statue with the four different things is the, uh, the kingdoms of earth. So it was, I think, um, well, the last one was the Romans, and they weren't there yet. And the one before that was the Greeks, and they also weren't there yet. They were th still coming. And then there was the Medes and the Persians. Um, and the stone is Christ, and it's the gospel. And so this prophecy is, is, helps us foresee a little bit of the future, that Christ came, as the stone, struck the statue, destroyed it, and he's Christ in the gospel is filling the whole earth. And that's, that's the story. That's the story of the world. And so as, and then now, we're, we're long after that, but you can see throughout history that the world has gotten better and better. You would much rather live in the conditions, living conditions now, than at any point in human history. And you'd Probably, we don't know, but you'd probably much rather live 2,000 years from now than now, and then 2,000 years after that again. And if you, if you look at all the all facts, child mortality keeps dropping, uh, lifespan keeps dropping, and that's not even including child mortality, and uh, murder rate for percentage of people keeps going down, crime rate for percentage of people keeps going down, poverty is falling. The world is, is getting better and better, and that's the story, that's the story of the world. And the Bible tells the start of that story, but um, it's, it's, um, at a certain point it gets to us. And it gets to our decisions and what we do is how the, the story keeps going. And so that's, 
I guess that's the big question, is what is your story? And how is your story going to fit in with the story of the world? And how, how is your story going to help out the story of the, of the, the world being redeemed and, and restored? Um, and I think we've been talking about stories, I've been talking about stories, and I think the number one thing that you can do is, is tell the good story. Because I talked a little bit about this on, at youth on Friday night. It's like the first example relates more to them than any of you. But I said, if you spend all day playing video games and then you get to the end of the day and you look back and you're like, well, that was useless. But then in the same way, if you spend all day reading a good book, maybe even if it was a non-fiction book, maybe even if it was a theological book, potentially at the end of, at end of your life, that could be useless and depending on what you did with it. And if you built a house for yourself and it was an awesome house, it's like the, that's a good thing to do, but at the end of your life, is it useful? Or if you, like there's so many things, even lots of really good things, that at the end of your life or at the end of the, the world are, are useless. And realistically, the only things that are truly useful truly purposeful are the things that are eternal and that will have an impact in heaven. And so telling the gospel, spreading the gospel, telling Jesus' story, that's useful. That's, that's eternal. Um, that'll have an impact. And, um, and that'll, that'll change the world. And so in summary, if, if you are wanting to help the world, you're help, wanting to help make a difference, that's the number one thing. Everything else fades away, but, but, um, but Jesus and what you do for him. So, yeah. That was great. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a story. Because I can. And um, I got to be, do a message at the Remembrance Day ceremony this week. Um, I didn't realise they actually had an actual formal service. I thought it was just something you did, you stopped in the shopping centres. But no, there's a formal service. And on Friday, on the 11th of November, you know, in the morning I got up thinking about what I was going to say. And, and, and I read an article, and there was an article about it a veteran who was 99 years old and it's 80 years this year since Kokoda. And this particular article, you know, this, 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 this old guy, and he still, still goes out and, and does stuff with, in schools and with children to, you know, to encourage and mentor. And so he's, he, you know, he's, I don't know if he's Christian or not. But the story went on and it said that this man, in those 80 years, has never been to one Remembrance Day event, not one Anzac Day event, um, because his memories haunted him. It's just too painful. 
and you know, I feel for the guy because you know, he has a story, but he never, never dealt with those, with that part of his story that was debilitating for him. He, he locked it up, avoided it, and even though he's done his best to, to still help others, the truth is he's missed out. He's missed out on 80 years of, of, of the, com, what's the word? We're camaraderie with fellow veterans. The, the ability to be able to relate, to be able to share deeply, it's cost him big time not dealing with that memory. And, you know, Ezekiel was saying today, talking about stories, talking about what we do, and, you know, will, will in the end it be fruitful? And one thing that we must deal with, and you find it in the scriptures, is along the way, if you don't deal with things, they don't just go away. You think of that story you brought up with King David. He wanted to hide something, lock it away, and think, think it wouldn't affect him or his family. And the Lord made it very clear that that wasn't the case. But in the Lord approaching you and convicting you of sin and wanting to deal with your memory, wanting to deal with an ache in your heart, it's actually his kindness. And all of us have things in our lives where, where the Lord wants to deal with it. And we, like a small child, push it back. Like, you know, you get a splinter. And the child says, just leave it there. Oh, it'll hurt. No, but you, the Lord in his wisdom and in his kindness wants to get it out. He wants to fix it. And... A story only exists because of a memory, because of the past. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for us. And in, in, in him dying, he's our remedy for our past because we're fallen and we're broken and we have painful bits in our lives, painful memories. And the Lord Jesus Christ heals. And so there is a grace available for healing. Things in the past, they can, they do two things. They either become a roadblock or like a set of stairs to climb, make, we build character. And so there's a grace today for us to receive from him so that our past doesn't hurt us anymore. Hmm. Thank you for that message. I, I enjoyed that message, Ezekiel. And um, do you know what's even the more positive slam? I love stories. A wonderful story out of the scripture is that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ revealed this mystery, this mystery hidden for ages that, you know, it wasn't only 
the Jews, not only natural Israel, that the gospel was for, that salvation was for, but no, but all nations. And then it goes on and talks about how God's intent was that Christ through the church would make known in the same passage. Part of the mystery revealed is that you and I have a place in the story that God has prepared in advance and he's using you and I to do it, to do it on earth in time right now, you. And so what we're doing here in Mount Morgan has a purpose. What we're doing in Rockhampton and in central Queensland has a purpose. This year soon, oh, not this year, next year, I think we're going to go to Peru, as in not this fellowship, but people from peace, recommencing international ministry. You know, after the COVID pause. This is wonderful. The story that the Lord has given to us, I'm excited. But it's personal for each and every one of you. When you have a memory and it goes, oh, there's an ache or a hurt, that ache and that hurt is actually a mercy. You know, you think if you didn't feel pain, you know, like a leper, he can't lose his, his sense of feeling, he leaves his hand on the fry pan, he doesn't know, cooks his hand. Now, pain is a mercy. Our feelings are there for a reason. And if you have a memory that causes you to go, oh, well, thank God for the pain. But the pain is there so that we would deal with it, not just live with it. And I want to encourage you, there's a grace. You get it directly from the Lord, of course. But if you're struggling to get it directly from the Lord, then my counsel is seek out fellowship. Share with those that you know and you trust. If you don't know and trust someone enough, well, keep pursuing the relationship until you do. Because fellowship is important. Many blessings.